Hiring is hard. Express Employment Professionals makes it easy. Forget about posting jobs, sifting through resumes, being ghosted, and interviewing unqualified applicants. Visit ExpressPros.com to let the pros help you. Express Employment Professionals is your full-service workforce solution, connecting you with top talent fast. With more than 40 years in the staffing business, Express helps thousands of companies find great team players each year, and they can help you too. Go to ExpressPros.com to find the location near you. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated, we're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than Alzheimer's disease. I'm Dana Torito, a writer and Alzheimer's advocate. On my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, I strive to calm your fears about the disease through thoughtful conversations with experts, care partners, and more. Action is the antidote for fear. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird? Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today. Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend Andy Samberg. That's it! That's really it! And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) As a high school student. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like (laughs) Change.Dork. Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself. Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful, thing. Laugh a little more, thing. Tighten up your core, thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Four Things Podcast. I'm honored today to have my guest, Serena Dyer Pisoni, on with me for all four things. Hey, Serena. Hi, thank you for having me. This is so exciting. Serena is Dr. Wayne Dreyer's daughter, one of them. And you're on because Serena, you and your sister Sage, you wrote a book uh, to carry on your dad's legacy, which Dr. Dyer was an American self-help and spiritual author and a motivational speaker. So thank you for coming on to talk about your book and your dad's legacy. Now, Together, you and your sister put out The Knowing, 11 Lessons to Understand the Quiet Urges of Your Soul. And I want to go over a few of the 11 lessons that y'all put in there today. 
Um, but I hope that if you're listening and the stuff resonates with you, that you'll order a copy of The Knowing to read all of the lessons. But Serena, let's start with uh, taking the path of least resistance. So I work in country music and I personally love the song that inspired this lesson from your dad. And Serena, I'll have you share the story, even though I know it's about Sage. But I know that Sage was riding in a car with your dad and Leanne Womack's song, I Hope You Dance, came on the radio. And actually, let's go ahead and play a clip of the part that we're going to be talking about. All right, so what happened with your sister and your dad and that song? So the story behind this is that um, Sage and my dad were in the car together and this song came on the radio. And my dad said to Sage, I love every line. I agree with every line of that song except one. Can you guess which which one? And Sage was like, I, I don't know. She guessed the wrong one, she thinks. Anyway, he said, the one I don't agree with is, I hope you never settle for the path of least resistance. And he said, the reason for that being, sometimes the universe gives us resistance as a way of telling us no, or closing the door, or ending the relationship, or losing the job, because the universe, God, if you will, has a bigger plan. And sometimes when we have resistance, it's God's way of redirecting or re-guiding us and pay attention to that. And that's essentially what he was saying to her, that when the universe or God, you can call it, I think, whatever you want to call it, I don't think it matters. And I don't think it itself cares. When you have things that happen just miraculously or you're in flow, things just fall into place and you're thinking, my God, this was so uh, synchronistic or what a coincidence. You know, that term coincidence is actually derived from the mathematical term, which means to coincide, which is when two angles fit together perfectly, they're said to coincide. So we've taken something that means to happen perfectly and, you know, repurposed it to mean something that happens accidentally. But in other words, there are times when the universe or God are giving you just green lights and things are happening and you are in flow. There are other times where you get that red light after red light after red light and you're so angry and then you get to the intersection and there was an accident and you think, my God, maybe that saved me from the accident. There are times, in other words, where you receive resistance and maybe instead of doubting it or questioning it, you look at it as a sign from God. And if you're flowing with it, you're kind of breezy. I like sometimes um, when I'm trying to be breezy or bendy or flexible, I feel like I'll need to voice it when really I mean, need to maybe do a check because <laughs> I'm probably not being right. breezy because I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm bendy. I'm breezy. It's fine. <laughs> but I mean, you're saying like different situations that come up in life, like we can just either look at it as like, oh, why did this happen to me? Or come alongside it and be like, oh, let's find out why did this happen to me? Yeah, it's kind of like if you meet the one, right? And you've had relationships before where you're like fighting for that relationship and struggling and trying to make that relationship the one. But it's almost like, you know, because I've had this before where you're like, you know, it's not, but you're still fighting for it anyway. But then the one comes along and it's just like, ah, oh, this is my person. And it's so easy and it's so natural. And 
you know, like in the Tao Te Ching, they talk about how the strongest force in the universe is, is water, which is the softest force. It's through the softness and through that gentleness that we find the strength when there's ease, when there's comfort. Sometimes that is just the way that you know it's um, the path of least resistance. And surrendering to the resistance allows us to get there. Oh my gosh, exactly. I actually, not to veer off topic here, but I had a conversation with um, Scarlett Lewis yesterday and she is the author of Nurturing Healing Love. Her son, Jesse, was killed in Sandy Hook in the elementary school shooting. And he died a hero that day. He was on the front page of the New York Post magazine after the shooting because when the killer came into the classroom, he, instead of running out, when the gun jammed, he held the door open and he told nine of his classmates to go and he held the door and he stayed behind. And all nine boys and girls that survived from his classroom told the exact same story. Jesse held the door. Jesse told us to go. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because this woman, Scarlett, said that she had been in some way unknowingly preparing herself her entire life for this loss. And because she was open to surrendering to the possibility that Jesse's life was not wasted and that his death was part of a plan that God had the answers to and she couldn't know in this lifetime. She said that she surrendered to the idea that his life had purpose, even though it was only six years long. And it was in that surrendering that she turned it over to God and she found and felt all of the signs that her son had given her after his passing. And I believe that had, and she believes, and she said this, had she stayed stuck in the anger, the resentment, the attachment to what she thought she ought to have had in her life with her son, she never would have been open to receiving what actually was there for her all along. I mean, that's an amazing story. Very powerful for sure. And the title of your book, The Knowing, so you're saying she was surrendering to that. So she knew. So what is our knowing? I have said this before and I always laugh because it does sound kind of cheesy, but it's so true. Our knowing is our lighthouse. It is always there shining, even in the darkest of storms. And it is always guiding us home. Our knowing is another way of saying your intuition, but I think it's bigger than that because I think that your knowing is the presence of God within you. I believe that, and I know I say the word God all the time and it makes some people uncomfortable, but I believe that we all come from God and we all return to God. And I believe that the knowing is that voice that is bigger than you, that is speaking to you, that is guiding you, that is helping you find your way home. I saw a quote from your dad that says, if a prayer is talking to God, then intuition is God talking to you, Dr. Wayne Dyer. Yeah, exactly that. It's God talking to you. And the more you pay attention to it, the stronger it becomes. What was it like growing up with a dad such as Dr. Wayne Dyer? Weird, um, funny. Uh, Mary, our mutual friend, could tell you. Um, not everybody grows up with an Uncle Deepak. And I didn't realize that that was weird or that meditating. I learned transcendental meditation at the age of five. I didn't realize that having monks as friends and meditating with them was unusual until I got older. So I'm not to cut you off, just to fill people in. You're referring to Deepak Chopra. Yes, yes. Yeah. Good, so. good family friend. So <laughs> I and, and Ram Das, another really good family friend. I didn't know that it was unusual to have 
exposure to so many different beliefs and ideas and to be open to so many different ways of thinking, to believe that we're all one, to believe that we all come here with a purpose, a, a dharma is another way of saying that. I didn't know it was unusual to have parents that meditated. It was only as I got older that I realized that. But honestly, I would say the thing that, that stands out to me the most about growing up with my dad and my mom, who are both very spiritual, is that when you grow up in a really spiritual household like mine, you are taught to take responsibility for everything that shows up in your life. Sometimes it's a lot easier to be the victim, to explain that you are this way because of your parents or your upbringing or your mother-in-law. The good side is that you are taught to take responsibility for everything that shows up in your life. And your freedom, your power comes from understanding that releasing your attachment to what happened to you, to who wronged you, to blaming someone else is where you find your freedom and where you find your power. And sometimes it's so much easier to be like, I am this way because of you. And I wanted to be that way, but the freedom is not there. The freedom is insane. I take responsibility for all of this and I free myself from my attachment, my connection, my anger, my resentment toward you. I saw something about, I don't know if this is in your book or a different article that I was reading, but you came home and you were complaining to your dad about a teacher or something. And, you know, you really felt like you were right, but your dad, you know, his response to you was, it's better to be kind than to be right. Yes. And he would say that all the time. He said that particularly to Sage because Sage is the youngest of eight and she's a Scorpio. So she's got all that going against her. No, I'm just kidding. She's a, she is a feisty kid by nature. And I say kid, even though she's in her thirties now and a mother of two, she's a kid to me because she's younger than me. But Sage was adamant about being right a lot. And my dad would say, be kind. Even if you can be right, choose to be kind instead. It's, you know, there's something that he would say a lot, which was the Sage. And he wasn't talking about her. He was talking about this line from the Tao Te Ching, but it said, um, the sage is kind to the kind and kind to the unkind because kindness is his nature. And he would say all the time, make kindness your nature. Or for me, he would say, if you are not generous when you are poor, you will not be generous when you are rich. Generosity has nothing to do with your circumstances and everything to do with your nature. Be generous, be kind, make those the quality of your nature and the universe will respond to that, you know, because as the line goes, if you are seeking something, become it. You don't get in life what you want. You get in life what you are. Become what you are seeking. You want abundance? Be generous. You want love? Be loving. You want kindness? Be kind. In doing so, it's like when you seek love and you don't find it, put love there and then you'll find it become it. Speaking of love, the next thing I want to get into is filling yourself with love. Let me tell you about this 100% Mongolian cashmere sweater that I got for $50. I ordered it in navy, the crew neck style, and it is perfect. I wore it with jeans and heels to work and then later in the day threw on sneakers and it was a simple outfit that got so many compliments. And something like this exists thanks to Quince. I already have the ivory color in my cart for my next order, which by the way, I never thought I would own anything cashmere before, but since all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, it's doable now. They also have organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more that you need to check out for yourself. 
And here's how they do it. They partner directly with top factories. Quince cuts out the middleman and passes the savings on to us. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Amy to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Amy. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all, and for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality Lisa Gibbons. Action is the antidote for fear. And nurse and dementia researcher Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have to speak up. We have to share our experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other. Listen to The Memory Whisper on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, so this next lesson, fill yourself with love. Let's talk about how your dad used to hold up an orange to audiences when he would speak. What was that all about? He would hold up an orange and he would say, if you squeeze this orange, what comes out? And the audience would all say, orange juice. And he would say, good job, guys. Uh, Orange juice, yes, you all get an A. Does it matter who does the squeezing? No. Does it matter what time of day the squeezing is done? Does it matter... Um, the device that's used to squeeze it. No, what comes out of an orange, no matter what, is orange juice. When you are squeezed, when you are in a pressurized situation, when you are stressed, when you are afraid, when you are angry, what comes out of you? And the answer to that should be what you are all the time. 
and what you are all the time should be, you know, we all wish we could be, you know, Christ consciousness level of love and kindness and generosity. Unfortunately, that's not the case for the vast majority of us, my dad included. But the important thing to ask yourself is what do you carry around inside all day long? Because when you are squeezed, doesn't matter who does it, doesn't matter when, that's what's going to come out. So choose what you fill your mind, your body, your life with. Because that's what's going to come out. I have found this to be true for for me. And this is what you're saying too, is when I am focused on like things just being totally out of control and I don't have time and I'm freaking out, then I'm always freaking out. Mm -hmm. And when I change the narrative, I actually was just on my friend, Kat Defada. She has a podcast called You Need Therapy. And we just talked about how changing the narrative is so important. It's like narrative therapy. I can then change my story. I don't have to be stressed and busy. And I mean, sure, I might need to sit down and go over my calendar and do some planning. It takes some effort there too. It's not just like the thoughts. But then what I realized too, when I am in that narrative and I'm living it out, yes, if I get squeezed by my child or anybody that I work with, like my negativity and my energy towards the craziness oozes out mm-hmm. and onto them. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's, you're exactly right. And and I love that. The, the narrative therapy, I haven't heard that before, but it's kind of like, you know, if somebody offered you an unlimited budget and said, or let's say somebody offered you a million dollars and said, here's a million dollars and you can go out and pick whatever furniture you love to fill your house with, you would say, great. If somebody said, here's a million dollars and you can pick only things you don't like, you have to pick what you hate what you don't want, what you despise to fill your house with. You'd be like, why would I ever do that? Well, if your thoughts are your currency in this lifetime, if your thoughts are what you fill this house, this body, and what you experience and what you live, then why would you ever fill it with everything you don't like or everything you don't want or everything you're afraid of? Like you said, it takes effort. It takes planning But you're absolutely right. When you take the time to make sure that you're not filling your house with everything you don't like, when you make sure you're not filling your mind with everything you don't want to have happen, with everything you're worried about, you know, you find that you live in a home, in a mind, in a in a body that you really enjoy. And what people receive is is that that love that comes out of you, that kindness. I love that analogy so much. I think that that's (laughs) I've I've never heard that. And I think that that is such a great way to put it where people can really be like, oh, wow, yes, what am I filling my house up in? And we have control over it. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty. When you when you really put this into practice, it's like, oh, wow, I'm getting my power back. That's exactly it. My dad used to always quote Mark Twain, who said that forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. And he used to say that when you forgive someone, when you release your attachment, when you let go of your anger, your resentment, or your worry, or your guilt, or your fear... When you let those things go, that is when you open yourself up to receiving the fragrance that the violet sheds. You open yourself up to receiving the miracles, to getting inflow. But if you stay attached, anchored, rooted toward all that has gone wrong, you'll never see all that's going right. Yeah. I mean, it's just a good reminder of we are what we think about whether we like it or not. (laughs) Yes, whether we like it or not. And, you know, we'll get into this in the next thing because I think the choose sooner kind of applies to this a little bit if you do have to change any narrative. So we'll get into that next. (music) 
I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality Lisa Gibbons. Action is the antidote for fear. And nurse and dementia researcher Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have to speak up. We have to share our experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, this is Shannon Doherty, host of the new podcast, Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. You may know me from, let's see, 90210, Charmed, Mallrats, Heathers. You probably also know me from my stage four cancer diagnosis and sharing that journey with so many of you. There's something so authentic about a podcast. It's me connecting, me talking raw in the moment. That's what my goal is to give you to talk about why I feel that cancer to a certain extent is a gift, what my responsibilities are as a person with cancer, because I think that there's something so much bigger than me. And to be honest, I'm still trying to find out what that is. And maybe together we'll find it. It's going to be a wild ride. So I hope that you all tune in. Listen to Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, my name is Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. 
It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, next lesson is choose sooner. So Serena, what does choose sooner even mean? And what's an example of that? Okay, so choose sooner it comes from something that my sister Sage experienced, which was um, she kept finding herself after our dad passed away unexpectedly in um, August of 2015. She kept finding herself periodically in these stages of extreme sadness, grief, mourning which is normal, which is natural. But she kept thinking that she didn't think this would ever end. And she didn't know even if she wanted it to. And all she wanted to do was to pick up the phone and call our dad and ask him what she should do. And she couldn't. But it occurred to her uh, one random day that even though she couldn't call him and ask him what she should do to handle his dying, she had a lifetime of growing up with him and experiencing his wisdom. And she asked herself, what would he say? And she just re- recalled that there had been a time when a friend of ours lost a child and um, and he had said to the woman that there was a famous story. It's a story about a, a man whose son goes off to fight in the Civil War and the soldiers come and knock on the door while his son is gone and they tell the father that his son passed away in battle. And later that night, the father is seen in the town dancing and everybody, it's a small town, everybody knows that his son He had just found out his son passed away. And they said, like, how could you be dancing when you just found that out? And he said, sooner or later, I have to find joy. I have to find love or this will kill me. I am choosing sooner. And that's where that comes from. Now, just to be clear, that's not to say that grief is bad because of course it's not. But I, I mean, I can't believe I'm referencing her again. But as I as I had this conversation with my friend Scarlett yesterday, she wrote in her book about how the day after her, after the whole Sandy Hook massacre happened, a woman came to her house with the local clergyman and said, I also lost a child. And I just want you to know, you'll never get over and you'll feel like this the rest of your life. And Scarlett put her hand up and said, stop, I can't feel like this for the rest of my life. She had another son who was uh, 12 years old at the time. And she said, I cannot choose to believe that I will never feel love, that I will never feel joy again. Even if right now I am experiencing the worst horror that a parent, that a person could experience, the murder of your child at school. She said, I still have to believe that there will be a time where I can feel love, where I can feel joy again. And when she was, when we were talking about that that last night, I just thought that's exactly like the choose sooner. So that would be my example is that Some people, and I have also lost, I lost a stepson and my husband uh, lost his only son at the time. And he had been a single parent his entire life, raised his son on his own his entire life. And his son passed away at the age of 19 in 2017 of an accidental drug overdose when he was visiting his mom for the first time in North Carolina. And there was a time after Mason passed away that I felt nothing but despair and grief. And I felt shame. I felt guilt because all I could think about was all of the mean things, the bad things, the times I had picked on him, the times I had picked a fight over the dishwasher not being unloaded or him sitting in his stinky lacrosse clothes on the couch. And I couldn't allow myself to even feel worthy of mourning him because I felt so much guilt and shame. But it was my husband who said to me, after your dad died, Serena, you said that in order to feel him, in order to get the signs from him, 
you understood that you needed to become like where he was. And if he was in heaven, if he was in a place of pure love, in order to connect with him, you had to be like that. Otherwise, your energy is so low and his energy is so high, he just can't reach you. And he said, think of Mason that way so that you can feel peace. And Mason can give you the signs that he loves you, that he's not mad about these fights from six years ago. And I said to my husband, I can't do that. I feel only worthy of the guilt and the shame. But after a few days, or actually after a couple of weeks, I ended up having this time where I was falling asleep at night. And I had this really funny memory with Mason. And I fell asleep laughing, like thinking of him in this really funny time that he and I went on a scary movie marathon. And on the seventh day, he was so convinced that he heard a noise that he called 911. And the police came and I was like, oh my God, there's nobody here. It's just our scary movie marathon. We watched uh, Silence of the Lambs tonight and we laughed about it for years. And I thought of that randomly as I was falling asleep. And that night, Mason came to me in a dream. I said to him, did you see when, when, you, when you died, did you see all the mean things that I had done? Did you see all the times I wished you were away and not gone, but at a friend's house? I wanted your dad to myself. Did you see all the times that I picked a fight with you just because I was insecure? And he said to me in my dream, he said, yeah. And I said, do you forgive me? And he said, yeah. And he kind of smirked like that. And I said, do you love me? And he said, yeah. And I said, do you know that I love you? And he said, yeah. And then he said, before I go, there's one thing I have to say. Serena, you have to remember that new teachers are emerging. And then he was gone. And I woke up and I woke my husband up and I told him the whole thing. I wrote the whole thing down so I wouldn't forget a single part of it. And at the time, I thought that new teachers emerging meant I was going to be this like Wayne Dyer. I was going to be this like teacher on this big stage. I did not understand at the time what Scarlett Lewis was talking about when we talked yesterday, that so much of these losses, these challenges, these tragedies, these obstacles that occurred in my life in a really short period of time could either be, as Rumi says, the ladder that is placed before each of us at our birth and each rung we climb, we get closer to God's energy. I didn't understand that these could be the greatest teachers all the difficulties, all the loss, all the tragedies, all the grief. I did not understand that these could become the greatest teachers, that they could become the greatest gifts, that they could become the way I learned to be compassionate, loving, forgiving, forgiving of self. And as you were saying about self-love, it was the number one thing I was challenged with, with having, with feeling after Mason passed away, because I did not feel worthy of loving myself when I had denied him love at different times in our relationship. But it was only through the, the process of understanding that Mason was my teacher, that he came here and he left. And if I choose to believe, which I do, that we live in a universe where there are no accidents, then even though his death was way too soon for me, that in God's plan, it was not an accident. And if we view our experience on earth as the classroom, and when we leave, we go home, then some of us just need less time in the classroom. Some of us, our souls, they come here to do what they come here to do in less time. And I was challenged to find out for myself if I could change the way I was looking at 
Mason's death, my dad's death, my husband's indictment, my financial loss, just superficially 30 pounds that I had to lose. I mean, I was challenged to see if I could begin to view all of these as an opportunity to grow into a a beautiful person. And I say that because of the Elizabeth Barrett Browning poem that says, beautiful people are not born, they're made. Was I going to stay bitter and angry and resentful and a victim and uh, distrusting and grief-filled for the rest of my life? Or was I going to become transformed into a beautiful person? And that's those of us that are left behind. That's what we have the opportunity to do. We have to choose that. Mm -hmm. And we can either choose it sooner (laughs) or later. And for some people, it may come later because it's a journey and it's not easy to navigate or figure out. Like, I just want to say encouragement. Like if any of this type of thinking is new to somebody, it is a journey. Like it's not something that you can't just wake up and decide to see things this way. I feel like my mom, when she was diagnosed with cancer, we didn't know where it was going to take us. Ultimately, two years later, mm-hmm. it took her life. And I'm so sorry. Thank you. It was in 2014. And on that journey, like around the third diagnosis, she made a decision to, yeah, fully surrender. And we went to the chapel at the hospital and her prayer was super selfless probably the most selfless one I've ever heard because it wasn't Lord heal me. It was Lord use this cancer for good. Wow. And, you know, my mom was the first to say that, you know, we started and Mary's very involved in the pimp and joy movement and have this whole thing, which is based on my mom's ability to choose joy during the most difficult season of her life. And that's not to say we didn't have hard days, Mm -hmm. but she knew and she was able to rest at night knowing she's like, and she would say, Amy, you need to tell people they need to know they need to get this straight that the joy of the Lord is my strength. (laughs) And that's where that comes from. It does not come from within me. It is coming from the Lord. And she was dedicated to that. And then I think of how, you know, just the timing of my mom's death, the pimp and joy movement on the Bobby Bone Show, meeting Mary, her wanting to start the shop forward, uh, that all happening at the same time. And then now over $2 million has been donated to various causes because of pimp and joy. And because your mom said, use this for good. Yes. And so I have goosebumps and some of my listeners, they've heard that story before, but maybe some of them haven't. But I just feel like that it's just such a perfect example of we chose sooner there. It's like, okay, we're not going to wallow in this. And yes, I still grieve my mother. Of course. I, I still miss her every day. There's been so much this last year that I wish I could just pick up the phone and call my mom. But like, I can't. I also lost my dad in April and Oh God. Uh, this year. And I, you know, there's a lot of hurting in the world. And, you know, we just had the the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Mm-hmm. We were so reminded last weekend and uh, watching all the documentaries, you know, you're even talking about Sandy Hook. Like there are people that have gone through so much hurt and pain. And even the last year with COVID, the loss of life from that, the loss of opportunities and the loss of certain life experiences. You know, it doesn't have to be the loss of actual little life from somebody, but we've all gone through so much. And yes, my hope is that people can get to a place like you were able to get to, whether it's through, you know, listening to something they heard, picking up your book and reading that, or if they're at church and they hear something or a friend is sharing a story or they have a dream and it comes to them that way that they then have that permission 
to move forward and that permission to feel joy and that the joy can come alongside the grief. Exactly. Because we think in Western world that grief and, and joy are on opposite ends of the spectrum. But in Eastern philosophies, they believe that they're just two different points on the same continuum, that without joy, there wouldn't be grief. Without grief, you wouldn't know joy. Without light, you would not know darkness and vice versa. But I just want to say about what you said, well, this is a side note, but I have a gray pimp and joy shirt that I sleep in almost every single night. So I did not know that that was started because of your mom. I knew that Mary was doing this a while ago and I support, I, you know, I wanted to support the business, but I have a pimp and joy shirt. I wish I had it on right now because I literally had it on this morning. So crazy coincidence, but it's not just that you chose sooner. It's that your mom spoke the language of the Lord of God to you. And that language is always, how may I serve? It's not what's in it for me. It's how may I serve? And not everyone understands that. My dad used to say that the prayer of St. Francis is a technology. It's not just a prayer. It's a, it's a mechanism for how to live your life. It says, make me an instrument of thy peace. Not, I don't have any peace. God, please give me a little peace. You know, these people are driving me crazy and you're not giving me the money I need to get some peace. And it's make me an instrument of thy peace where there is hatred. Let me bring love. Your mom said the same thing to you that day that you just talked about when she said, let this cancer be used for good. As you were talking, I was just reminded of my mom's business email. You know, she had an automatic signature every time she would email me from her work email. And she had on there, literally, she would sign every email because again, it was automatic here to serve Judy. Ah, I was just reminded of that. I haven't thought of that in so long. I mean, it was part of the company that she worked for, but that was the mindset of the people she surrounded herself with. And that's why, sorry to interrupt you, but that is, I have to just say, that's why you are the way you are. That's why you do the work you do. That's why you give and you love the way that you do. And I really mean that. I'm not just saying that to be, you know, I'm, I'm a guest on your show right now and I'm sucking up. It's not that. I see it. I feel it. And I've followed you and I know your story. I know about your children. I know from Mary, I know that that's who you are because that's who your mother was. And that is the unfolding of God saying, how may I serve? How may I show up? How may I show up for good? The more we do that, it shouldn't be the motivation, but if you need a motivation to be good, the more you do that, the more the universe gives it back to you. So if you need a motivation to do good, just rem remember that you get in life what you are. That doesn't mean that bad things don't happen to good people. That doesn't mean that we don't get sick, that we don't leave when we all view it from our human limited perspective as too soon. Your mother and my stepson, my dad even, they left too soon. But from the bigger perspective, from the bigger understanding, from the God energy, it's all in divine perfect order. And we're all, as Ramdas always said, we're all just walking each other home. If you make the most of your time in the classroom, you become a presence on earth that is enough to transform those around you, your community, strangers. If you make the time that you have here focused on serving, on serving others, on serving God, on serving love, you change the world. And your mom influenced you in that way. And now look what you're doing. It's changing the world. $2 million is how many people's lives saved Oh yeah, no, it's pretty crazy. My mom would, that'd be mind blowing to my mom because you know <laughs> she just, she was a single mom that worked every day, very modest life. Like she would be blown away. 
by that. And I don't know if you have any experiences with this, but my sister and I, of course, Cardinals, people talk about if a Cardinal is, you know, around a loved one is near. And so we, we see Cardinals and we always say, hi, mom. And then I, I have a bird feeder in my backyard and Cardinals would come and visit all the time. So we'd say hi to mom a lot. And then right after my dad died, I had never had a Blue Jay visit ever. I, I keep a bird chart. I know all the birds that visit me. And I got, after my dad died, I got my first blue jay. And my dad's favorite color was blue. There's just all these things. Like, who knows? I don't know. I've heard that blue jays uh, like the ladies. Like, they're very, they they, they they get around. And like my dad, he was kind of married four times. And so it was just kind of funny. But for me, my birds have been very comforting. So I just didn't know if you had any thoughts on on that and and birds or messages or anything like that. Yes, I do. And I posted on Instagram, um, obviously like a month ago. So before I even knew you were going to say this, but I posted on Instagram um, a series of photos that all took place right in a row. And one of them was uh, my daughters and I, I have three kids and they're six, five and two, two girls and a boy. And um, I had taken my daughters and I on a golf cart ride in Maui. And when we were getting back to the golf cart, the car parked next to the golf cart was my stepson Mason's initials, MKP888. And my dad used to say that any repeated numbers like that is a sign from a loved one. So I took a picture of them standing next to it. Then as we're heading back to the condo, there are two cardinals on the sidewalk in front of us, less than five feet away. And they're not moving. So I thought maybe there was like a nest that fell. Maybe they were injured as we got. So I, you know, I grabbed my phone because I want to get these pictures of these cardinals. And there's two of them. That's crazy. And as we get closer, they fly away. So they were fine. Right after the cardinals on the sidewalk where we pull in for the condo where we, where we are in Maui, it had D plus P, Dyer, my dad, plus Pisoni, my stepson. And I thought... I know that these could be stretches, right? Like we see my stepson's initials and 888 on the license plate. Then we see two cardinals, but then to see the initials next to each other all in a row, I was like, there's gotta be something here. This is a sign. And um, I've had so many like that, but I've had crazier ones than that. I've had ones that are without a doubt, irrefutable. You could not question them, even if you wanted to, even if you were a doubter or a skeptic, I've had signs that are so real. There's absolutely no way that they were not a gift, a message from, from my loved ones, from my dad and my son. And I don't think I'm special that I get those. I think I'm just looking for them and I'm asking for them. And I think that's why I, I notice them. But I think we all get them. And yes, the birds, absolutely. Okay. So for gratitude, I normally have guests just share four things that they're currently thankful for big or small, but I'm going to have you share specific things. Cause I was interested to know what you would say to these things. So I would love to hear Serena, a book you're thankful for a TV show, <laughs> an Instagram follow, like someone you follow mm -hmm. that you're definitely uh, have gratitude for. And then I don't know, a food or a drink that you're loving at the moment. Okay. So book. So I have a, a obsession with World War II. I don't know why, but I read historical fiction or history in general constantly. And my favorite nonfiction book is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. He was a psychiatrist who survived the uh, 
concentration camps, even though his whole family was exterminated. And because he was a psychiatrist, he wrote about the human ability to find meaning in the suffering and the stories that he recounts and the testament to the goodness, the real goodness in most people. It's something that I've never forgotten. And I probably reread it every other year just so that I don't forget that there's always goodness lurking somewhere, even in those we think have none. So that would be my favorite book. Food? Is that the next one? What was the next one? TV show. Oh, t- oh God, this is embarrassing. I should say I'm proud of this. I love The Real Housewives. Oh yeah, change that narrative. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love them. I love all of the seasons, all of the cities. I watch them. I, well, I record them and then I watch like three in a row after my kids go to bed or while I'm working, I have them on in the background, but I just love them. I love the fabulousness of these women in all these different cities. I love sometimes the cattiness. I, I love seeing their homes and their vacations. I, I love it. So that would be my favorite show. I wish I had like Super Soul Sunday to say is my favorite, but it's not. It's Real Housewives. No, yes, <laughs> you, you you need diversity. It's yes. fine. Like I'm here for it. Okay, uh, what about Instagram follow? Because of all the grief I've experienced in the last couple of years, um, I don't know how I came across her page. I think it was in like the suggestions page a year, a year and a half ago. Little Miss Mama, um, her name is Ashley Stark. She had just found out that her daughter, who was two and a half, Stevie, had an inoperable, incurable brain tumor and had weeks to live. And she, little Miss Mama, Ashley, documented the journey. But since the loss of her daughter, the grace, the godliness, the just the goodness that this woman posts about, the vulnerability about her, um, her husband, her marriage, her, her older two sons. I've never seen such honest vulnerability in any page I've ever seen, myself included. And I don't think that her page is for the faint of heart because it's gut-wrenching at times. It's funny and inspiring at times, but um, my God, is she incredible. Lastly, uh, a food or drink you're thankful for. Oh, green tea, ice cream tea. And, you know, I'm like a taco girl. I love any kind of taco, honestly, like fish tacos or Taco Bell tacos. I don't know. I'm thankful for tacos. Tacos and tea. Yeah. 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 We need to make you a four things tote that one of the things is like, has Mary given you one of those? Yes. Yes. Okay. Right before my (laughs) wedding, she did. And it was all like wedding related, but um, I used it. And then I made them for my maids. of I had three, four maids of honor. And I got them for my maids of honor as well. And we we've used them into ruin their tattered at this point, because that was like 2014 and they were just coming out back in the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Well, I am thankful that you were able to join me today for this conversation. And I'm excited that your, your book has been out. It's been what, five or six months now. So hopefully we're spreading the word to more people (laughs) that they can pick it up. I will have the book linked in my show notes. Again, it's called The Knowing. And I thought that I would close us out with another quote from your dad that I found. And it's attitude is everything. So pick a good one. (laughs) I'm sure you grew up hearing that. I did. And I need that reminder. And I love that quote because it is everything. Mm -hmm. Yes. So attitude is everything. Pick a good one. Keep that one in your back pocket. And then definitely check out the knowing that's 
Serena and Sage's book that is carrying on their dad's legacy. And uh, the stories in it are great and amazing and vulnerable and relatable in a sense. Some, you know, some just very fascinating and interesting. Like you've led a very interesting life. Well, thank you. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> no, that's a good thing. I know. Yeah. It's, it's from an insider's perspective. I didn't realize how weird it was at times, but it, you know, as I get older, I realized that it is actually interesting to say. Yes. So Serena, thank you again for taking the time. In addition to people checking out the knowing they can find you on Instagram, you are at Serena Dyer Pisoni and then also Serena Dyer.com. Yes. Uh, yeah. And Sage Dyer on Instagram and Facebook. I mean, all the social media is just, if you typed in our names, you'd see us basically the same. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. You don't put those inside of you. Do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than Alzheimer's disease. I'm Dana Torito, a writer and Alzheimer's advocate. On my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, I strive to calm your fears about the disease through thoughtful conversations with experts, care partners, and more. Action is the antidote for fear. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird? Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today. Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend Andy Samberg. That's it. That's really it. And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonardo DiCaprio (laughs) as a high school student. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like (laughs) Change.Dork. Change.Dork. And congratulations. You played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself. Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Shannon Doherty, host of the new podcast, Let's Be Clear, with Shannon Doherty. So in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about marriage, divorce, my family, my career. I'm also going to be talking a lot about cancer, the ups and the downs, everything that I've learned from it. It's going to be a wild ride. So listen to Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.